This is Iron Sports. We're talking to Gene Fernet of the Florida Times Union. Gene, you're the Jacksonville Jaguar expert, and I was up there at a game on Saturday. What an atmosphere. First of all, before we talk about the comeback, talk about the atmosphere at that game in the city of Jacksonville on that Saturday night. Well, uh, first of all, I, I should correct you and say it's Jaguars, not Jaguar. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you made the same mistake that Gus Bradley made. He always called them Jaguars. But anyway, uh, the uh, it was pretty much a, a, a duplicate atmosphere of the week before because if you know they had a they had basically a playoff game the week before essentially uh, with the Tennessee Titans and they were trailing for most of that game as well. I mean the fans were. It was a different type of game because they were never totally out of it like they were for a while against the L.A. Chargers the other night. Uh, but it was a very similar atmosphere. The difference is this one was a game that was won at the gun on a kick. So the eruption uh, at the stadium from, from 70,000 fans was, you know, electric and just almost like, uh, as I described in my column, You'd almost thought that there was like a, a little minor earthquake uh, there with, uh, with the reaction to uh, Riley Patterson's 36-yard field goal at the end that snuck inside the right upright. But, uh, no, it was just an amazing atmosphere. And, you, and the other thing I think that's in play here uh, is that, you know, not that any other NFL fan base wouldn't have gone crazy over a game-winning kick at the gun in the playoffs, but you have to remember these fans have a lot of pent-up energy from years of just having misery and misery heaped upon them, right? Only one, only one playoff ga- uh, games in the last 15 years, and that was back in 2017 when they went on the runs to the AFC Championship game. But other than that, I mean, the Jaguars have been the worst team in the NFL. And so now all of a sudden the script has flipped, and it flipped in a year when they were 3-7 and seven and 4-8. and eight. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself in the playoffs. Tennessee Titans get all these injuries, and, uh, you know, that factors into it. Trevor Lawrence comes of age. You know, Doug Peterson now is being hailed as the, you know, the greatest greatest coach, you know, this franchise has ever had. And they had Tom Coughlin. So, uh, just it's a very planet-aligning situation for the Jaguars fan base. And so you can imagine why they were over the top. And that first half, it seemed like it was spiraling totally out of control. The interceptions, you, you mentioned in your column today that he had completed more passes to Dosante Samuel than he did to any of the receivers for, the, for Jacksonville, for Lawrence did. Um, they were able to, to not go, I think in, you mentioned the column, and I thought it was important. It, it could have been like the Georgia TCU game that was like 38-7 to or whatever. The fact that they were able to keep it and score that touchdown at the end of the first half, that allowed them to make that big comeback in the second half. Well, there was a lot of factors at work here. C- clearly, that touchdown helped settle things down a little bit, right? You know, you just kind of feel like, okay, you know, we're, we, you know, shake the cobwebs off. But even prior to that touchdown, if you can remember correctly, uh, you know, the ball bounces off the helmet of Chris Claybrooks, right? He's not expecting the punt to be so short, so he had no idea. And Jamal Agnew was trying to warn him, but he didn't hear him. And, uh, you know, the ball goes off his helmet. And Chargers got a first down at the six-yard line. They're already up 24 to nothing, okay? If they get, you know, you would think first and goal at the six would, you know, when things are going terrible, would be a touchdown, right? Well, I mean, the, the Chargers never got in the end zone. And, they, and they, it wasn't like they got a big penalty or anything like that. They just didn't get in the end zone. So holding the Chargers to a field goal was really big, right? 
Well, what happens subsequently? Well, you get the you get the uh, you get the uh, uh, Jaguars electing to they had a fourth and two at their own thirty six, right? You know, you're down twenty seven nothing. I would have thought in that situation, Doug Peterson trying to get points before halftime would have gone for it, right? He doesn't. He punts it away, and then the Jaguars force them to punt, and they get uh, you know another bad uh, looked like a fumble. It wasn't sure if it hit Clay Brooks's body. Tavon Campbell, not Tyson, picks it up, goes four yards. Now the Jaguars got the ball across midfield. That sets up their first touchdown. So it wasn't just getting the touchdown. It was the sequence of events prior to that. And then, of course, after that, you've got the defense, you know, playing lights out. And, you know, then they had a couple other things work in their favor. Mike Williams, the receiver, uh, being out for that game, in, uh, in my mind, no question altered the outcome of that game. If Justin Herbert has Mike Williams available to be able to go to when they're trying to close out the game, besides Keenan Allen and the tight end Gerald Everett, I think the Chargers would have won, would have won that game. They would have, they would because I think they would have been Mike Williams would have been able to make you know one or two or three plays that would have kept drives going, things like that. But uh, you know, Joey Bosa unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. I, why he wasn't thrown out of the game, because he got two of them, I don't know. But, you know, that allowed the Jaguars to go for it from the one-yard line. They get the two-point conversion. You know, they just, you know, you have to have a lot of things happen for you uh, to come back, not only from 27 down, but to be minus five in a turnover ratio and win a football game is absolutely amazing. And Doug Peterson, I, I'm, I was sitting on the Charger side, so I didn't see behind the, the Jacksonville bench. But Peterson seemed, when I was hearing from the radio, because I had the radio on, was talking to Lawrence throughout the entire game. I mean, that really must have helped in terms of... Now, Lawrence, of course, has played in big-time games. He was, you know, he had trouble against the LSU in the, the National Championship game. He's, you know, he's been in crazy games that were, were nuts, but it was probably it was better to have Doug Peterson talk to him than Urban Meyer if they were down 27 nothing talking to him. Yeah, well, I mean, it's yeah, I mean that's that's not even a comparison. Doug Peterson's got you know all kinds of NFL experience, ten years playing in the league, offensive coordinator for Andy Reid. I mean, that, that, that's I mean, Urban Myers uh, can't hold a candle from an NFL coaching standpoint to uh, to Doug Peterson. But yeah, I mean, but normally he would be talking to Trevor anyway, right? He's the play caller, Trevor's the quarterback. So, but yeah, but you you could definitely see him, you know, trying to you know. I, I would say settle Trevor down, but Trevor doesn't really need settling down. You know, you know if you get my drift, his demeanor is such that he's not going to, you know, he, he's not somebody that needs counseling because he threw two or three picks. I mean, he's just, that's just not who he is. And that also explains why you're able to come back is because he's able, you know, as he said afterwards, you know, if I just let everything affect me, you know, and then I can't do my job and make the next play. So everything for Trevor is always about the next play. Okay, you've made a mistake. You've made multiple mistakes, but you know you can't you can't give up on the game. You just you got to just keep playing and, and let it play out because there was a lot of time left to go. And the most important thing, Ira, when you see all these great comebacks, right? I believe it was uh, uh, when Frank Reich. Uh, for the Buffalo Bills, made his big comeback against the Oilers. Was that game at the Astrodome? I'm trying to remember. Or was the game in Buffalo? But, uh, you know, you look at what the Minnesota Vikings did this year, coming back from 33 down against the Colts, or some of these other, you know, great comebacks. Most of your great comebacks happen 
when you're playing in front of your home crowd. Correct, correct. Very rarely do they happen on the road. And then, Gene, we're talking to Gene Fernet of the Florida Times Union. So it's taking Trevor, a page from Trevor's playbook of looking for the next play, they, you've had this great comeback, this great win. Now you have to go against arrested Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes going in there, which they've already lost to once this year. Uh, talk about this game in terms of what, you know, how will they be able to build on this momentum and not just say, okay, we did what we had to do. We won our game. We'll just go and lose by two touchdowns. The, the fire to try to, you know, pull another huge upset here against Kansas City. Well, uh, nobody's going to go into a game thinking that, okay, we'll just, you know, <laughs> play our game, and maybe, and maybe we'll lose by a two-touchdown. <laughs> Nobody thinks that way. This is the playoffs. You don't, you don't get many opportunities to go and grab a, a Super Bowl, okay? You know, you can't, just, we can't, you can't just assume that just because Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson are together in a really bad division that this means they're going to be, you know, in the Super Bowl eventually. But they might be, and, you know, they might win multiple ones. Who knows? But you can't – you have to seize – every postseason opportunity that you have. And the best thing the Jaguars have going for them the rest of this way, they're playing with house money now. I mean, you know, there was an expectation going into that game against the Chargers, even though they were a one-and-a-half-point underdog, that they were going to win that game. I think most people, most pundits nationally even had them winning that game. Some of the Chargers winning it, no question about that. But, I mean, I think there was an expectation that the Jaguars would win that game. There's not that expectation this week, but that might actually be a good thing for them. They can play loose, and uh, you know the Chiefs are the one with all the with all the pressure on them because everybody expects them to win. I think they're a nine and a half point favorite, so that's what the Jaguars have going for them here. Now, the flip side is if you get off to another slow start and you're on the road in Kansas City, that's probably going to be a little bit of a different animal than getting off to a slow start at home. Yeah, correct. I was there last year for the Ben Rotzberger's last game when the Steelers got off that slow start and it was over. <laughs> that game was finished. But uh, Gene, what's the best way to follow you? I saw your uh, article today in the Palm Beach Post, but what's the best way to follow you on uh, social media? Okay, I am uh, at Gene Fournette on, on Twitter, and you can also find me on Facebook as well. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, those, those are basically the two. I don't, I, don't do, I don't do any other social media except those two things. That's great. Well, Gene, I know you're busy getting ready for Doug's interview today, but thanks a lot for coming on Iron Sports. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks for having me. Take care.